Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley. And me, Chris. Hello everyone. Hope you're okay. Hope you're okay, Ashley. I'm okay. So there we go. Hopes fulfilled. dreams. You alright? Yeah, I am. We've just been looking at meat for ages, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. On that, was it Fazenda? Fazenda, yeah. Hmm. A Brazilian restaurant. Yeah, that's Where good. they wave their sticks of meat around. They do. I wasn't going to mention any of this, because who... The Who cares? tiny proportion of people listening to this podcast, how many of them are going to be in the region of a fazenda? Well, they should find one because they look really good. It does look really good and we are going this week and it hopefully will be as good as it looks. Well, report back next week like a roving reporter. Pro- probably won't. Oh, well, I probably will to you, but I don't think it should be brought up on the podcast no. again. All right. Fair warning. All right. You been doing anything good this week? Uh, no. You? No. Great. What a great answer. <laughs> we... We're playing Four Guys on Friday for Ooh. the first time in a long time and won. Oh, well done. I and I haven't won before. I've never played it, so I have no understanding of what that means. But Oh, do you remember? So you're old, so it's a knockout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that, but game. Okay. And actually, it's other quiz, well, not quiz shows. What do you call them? Like non-quiz quiz shows where you do stupid things like The Wall. I have to get through the wall. Or uh, Takeshi's Castle is the perfect example, mm. actually. You run the gamut of um, various different obstacles. Awesome. There's one that's directly ripped from Takeshi's Castle where you have to run at doors and some of the doors will smash open and yeah. some of them you'll just smack straight into them. What a show. That's in Fall Guys. But it came, out of, it came out a few years ago, a couple of years ago, maybe even last year. I'm not really certain on it. And... Uh, there was a big hoo-ha about it, and then it sort of died off a little bit. But Epic Games then bought it and released it as a free-to-play thing. And it's doing reasonably well, from what Fair I understand. Fair play to him. Yeah, it was, it was really fun playing with other people. You can play as a team, which is new. I've been You're playing. not at all interested. You should, uh, if you could see Chris's face, I know this is podcast but if you could see Chris's face right now... I'm sorry. So you should be. I, I'll. You want me to talk about the game, I guess. Yeah, we talked about meat, we talked about games. Let's that's, that's, that's do what, what we're here for. Let's do our job. All right. Okay. So uh, the game this week is this game where the latest in a line of heroes must battle their way through a deceptively cute world to rescue a goddess from their eternal prison, uncovering as many mysteries as they can along the way. I've no idea, but I like the sound of it. Zelda? She's not a goddess, though. She's a princess. I wanted you to say Zelda because it's not Zelda. It's oh, not Zelda. Why did you do it's not that? Zelda. Why did you do that? I just wanted... To, I had a plan. I have a plan. I didn't want you to derail it two minutes in. That's why. Because inevitably, I've got my page of notes. Play me inevitably, like, like a puppet. Tried. Yeah, tried. Doesn't always work. It's not Zelda, but it's obviously it's obviously what I was going for with that. Be, and and the similarities between this game and that game and those games are striking and on purpose. It is Tunic. Oh. Now, I didn't know how you were going to respond to that because Tunic is a game that I believe you're interested in playing. Mm-hmm. And Tunic is also a game that is best not discussed before you play it. Right. So I was so close. I was so this close. To one, doing a different game. That would have been Boktai 2, the uh, Solar Boy Django. I don't know what words you're saying. Right, well, that's good because that'll come up probably fairly re- fairly soon because I started the research for that. Um, yeah, I nearly did Boktai. I nearly Is that what pressed with both the, games. The, the, the sun 
the Game Boy. And so, yeah, so oh, you what, do why, know. why are we playing it in November? That's a July game, surely. Yeah. Well, on. that was genuinely one of the factors between not doing that and doing that. But I also thought it would be interesting. I started prepping that one. I nearly prepped them both and gave you the choice. But I decided, sod it. I'll yeah. just do... I'll just do Tunic. And now I'm doing Tunic. Cool. So I'm kind of... This is for the viewer. This is for the listeners and for yourself now. I'm inevitably going to spoil some things in this... That's fine. I'll forget. In this chat. I am going to do my best to shape the things that I talk about so that it doesn't spoil major things. That's very good Whether of you. that be... I, I don't think the story's terribly spoilable. Um, although I haven't completely finished it, so maybe it is. And I think I can talk about the world, some of the mechanics, without spoiling them. But there are some things that I am just going to avoid talking about too much. So is this one of those episodes where you've played a game a lot recently, you basically want me to buy it so that it's a sales pitch because we, we had that with animal crossing we had it with windbound it's gonna be third time lucky because i end up buying both those games on the strength of your waffling on about them i know tunic is one i yeah. want to get but i'm waiting for it to, to be on sale because it's 25 quid on switch which seems like a lot yeah. of money okay so let's deal with that particular elephant because that's obviously something that we we're going to discuss at the end yes it's 25 pounds on the switch and you are not the only person that I've talked to that would like to buy it that doesn't necessarily want to stump up £25 for it. I completely understand that. It looks like the kind of indie game that you might want to pay less for. Yeah. I am maybe here to say, from my point of view, I think it's I think it's more than worth £25. Okay. So I, it's a fairly subjective viewpoint. I, I will caveat that with uh, someone that I work with. They have played it through to completion recently on the PlayStation and they were fairly underwhelmed by it, mm, okay. I think. However, right, let's get back to get back to me tracks All so right. I can follow things through because this, this matters I, in a way. So it came out in March of this year. And it came out in March to the Microsoft platforms, the Xbox and the P and the PC. I it also came out on Game Pass immediately, and I got it on Game Pass, and I started it the day that it came out, and then I put it to one side. I can't remember why. I'm telling a lie, actually. Hannah started playing it the day it came out because I started playing it. Went, oh, hang on, this is the perfect thing for Hannah. Hannah would love this. Put it to one side, gave it to Hannah when she got home. She started playing it, got way further into it than I had. Um, and I sort of did sidekick, sidekicking on it. And then Hannah put it down and I haven't touched it since then. So it so came, good. came out in March. So good you stopped playing it. Yes and no. I stopped playing it to give it to Hannah. Hannah stopped playing it. And that's why I stopped playing it because I okay. thought Hannah would come back to it. But we, the way we operate our Xbox Game Pass... We have it not throughout the year. We pick it up for a month or, or two every so often. And um, we got rid of Xbox Game Pass for a significant portion uh, okay. of, of this year. So it disappeared. That's all by the by. Because the thing that's driven me back to it this, this time is my friend at work who was playing it. We'd been talking about it. It came out in September on all the other platforms. He has PlayStation, wanted to play it on PlayStation and bought it, bought it there, played it, and it, it just didn't match up to what he wanted it to be. Okay. I don't think that necessarily follows that it's a bad game. And I think that this person that I'm talking about would agree with me. 
wholeheartedly. So like it's just that it high it, expectations. Yes, he went in with a high bar, and it came in under his bar. But I think it's like the reviews, like that, there was sort of like eight, eight and nine across the board, if I remember rightly. So you know, you kind of. But he, he was was he going in wanting a ten out of ten? I think he's got legitimate reasons to have been underwhelmed by it personally. And that's fine. Yeah. So, that I mean, re- the other thing is reviews don't always tell the whole story, do they? No, and it's and true. I mean, there's so many games that I wouldn't touch with a barge pole that have been that have scored nines. I mean, as well, we're in the Fortnite of Call of Duty at the moment, aren't we? Or whatever that came out for I a million no times idea. <laughs> this this month. It's a really ridiculous story, actually. Because when we worked together, it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I think Modern Warfare 2 came out when we were working together. Right. And the game that's just released this year, this month, is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. What? However, the original, I don't know which way around it is, the original had the num- the number and the... The current one has the Roman numerals. That's not enough to differentiate it. And they're completely different games <laughs> as well. That's really silly. Absolutely ridiculous. Absurd. People are loving it in a lot of ways. They're um, laughing it up. No, 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 no. Yeah. Each to their own, I guess. Someone that we worked with wanted me to play the Modern Warfare games and, and lent me one of them, which was very kind of them. But I played it and hated it every minute of what I played, so never have touched on it since then well you, you know we're, we're, we're yucking people's yums they're obviously they're, they're very very popular exactly. game franchises and they're just just not our cup of tea and that's okay and that's what i'm saying about tunic so i see. um the thing that pushed me towards playing tunic at picking tunic up again was my friend my friend had had this experience he wanted to talk to me about it but obvious for obvious reasons didn't fit, want to spoil it knew that I, I wanted to play it um so i picked it up so I could get up to speed on it. And with the what he'd said in mind, that he'd been a bit underwhelmed, I went into it with my bar much lower than it had been even in March. You're ready You're ready to be whelmed. Yeah, I was absolutely ready to be whelmed. And I think that that did me a lot of favours because I've been able to really appreciate it. And my estimation has just kept going up and up and up until it's kind of where I anticipated it being. I'm loving it. I think it's fabulous. And I would recommend it. And I'm trying now to recommend it to everybody that uh, might listen to this. Well, it's as I said, it's one I do want to get just uh, when it comes a bit cheaper. So my understanding of it is because when it came out, it looked a bit Zeldery. And obviously, mm. I mentioned Zelda at, at the start of the episode. And but I think with that Zelda gameplay, you've also got elements from other games that definitely aren't zelda like i remember one of the reviews i read said about how it's there's a lot of elements of camera trickery that are things are hidden kind of that you can't see them behind the camera i think you mentioned when you talked about a couple of weeks ago did you mention uh, was it fares you mentioned yeah i mean i didn't expect you to remember any of this so what yes I, I think that tunic is a game that's easy to sum up on the surface and mm-hmm. I have it. it well, I think the, the artwork is... when, when it came out, it's you've got the, the little fox. He's holding the sword aloft. He's got a, a green tunic on, and it, it it just looks like another Zelda. Like uh, uh, Blossom's Tales, for example, is a game that I played that I really enjoyed, and it was the, the first one I've played. I've not played the second one, but it made no pretense of not being a Zelda clone, and I yes. I, I quite liked it for that for it being so ballsy and upfront about it. Tunic. I think surface level looks like a Zelda clone. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's doing the same thing. It's not hiding its influences 
anywhere, really. It is hiding a lot of secrets. Um, so yeah, it's putting its effort into hiding its secrets rather than hiding its influences because its influences are on its um, Steve. I mean, he's in the he's in a green tunic. Yeah, exactly. So it's an isometric action adventure in which you fight a lot of fantastical creatures. That sounds as much like Zelda. I wrote my uh, upfront spiel, the this game wear section. I wrote that to show that it was, it sounds like a Zelda game. I. I kind of had to bodge the script there and and get you to to guess Zelda, but that's what I wanted to get across. Mm-hmm. It it feels like when you look at it on the surface, it feels like a Zelda game. That is no bad thing. It really nails the adventure aspect of a Zelda game. It really nails the world building aspect of of a Zelda game. I don't think Zelda games are the best. Ugh, Breath of the Wild did a damn good job. I, I was going to say, I don't think that Zelda games have been the best world builders, generally. They they do create quite evocative environments, but they don't necessarily create things that feel coherent all the time. But that's not a problem. Tunic is in that, I think, area, that arena of... It's created a world. The world has distinct zones to it, and that's fine. It feels maybe a little bit more pulled together by the law than than Zelda games maybe do. I think there's been a lot more effort put into the back story, the history of the world than maybe gets put into Zelda games. Zelda games tend to be very surface level. Like, you know, you're in this this land where it's high rule or low rule or you know what have you and you you get from A to B. But then there's lots of yeah. other games we've played. You said talking a few minutes ago, just now, I was thinking about Hollow Knight, the way the Hollow Knight really builds. I know that's one we talk about quite a lot, but that's such an effective As game built in, built in right. the lore. I get the feeling that Tunic is more like Hollow Knight in terms of that than Zelda. Yeah, and that is one of the ways that Fez comes in. I don't remember mentioning Fez to you, so I... I do kind of wonder whether I might have I did, maybe, or maybe you've read it somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not po- sure. possibly. I might be uh, retconning it. Me- me- However, it is absolutely um, it's a perfect touchstone for the game, even to the point where there were monoliths in. I mean, quite directly uh, linked, there were monoliths in Fez that held a lot of the game's secrets and a lot of the um, sort of years-long investigations centered around these monoliths and what they were supposed to how they were supposed to work and what they supposed to suggest to the player. There are monoliths in this game and you interact with them quite frequently and they make up the basis of the historic law-based mysteries of right. uh, that the story centers around. But then uh, the same as Fez and as you've already outlined, there are these perspective-based misdirections that are happening constantly even when you don't realize they're happening. The world is a rabbit warren. You don't. You wouldn't necessarily. If you think again, link to the past as a top-down two D Zelda adventure, it's very similar to that in in the, your first forays into Tunic's world. It's very similar to the navigation that you might expect from one of those Zelda type two D top-downs at first glance. But the more you get to navigate around the world, the more you'll realise that there is just a little nip and tuck that you can take down that path and that'll bring you out over here where you didn't think you could get to 10 minutes ago. And there's a path behind that 
wall there that you can't see because the camera's up here but if you just sort of nip into this corner well actually you can pass underneath this bridge or if you look just as you're coming down a I mean this is an actual one if you look just as you're coming down onto the beach on a ladder there is just the tiniest suggestion of a path that you can that goes behind the ladder and if you just pop behind the ladder, you can get behind a waterfall that brings you out on the other side of a stream that you can't pass over if you if you don't find this path. It's so, a rabbit so, warren. So on those 2D Zelda games, it's very much what you see is what you get. Whereas this one, you've got to interact with this a lot more. And that's the difference, the main difference, in it, because that, that's no, Not how, the main difference. The, the main difference that's is difference ge- of the geographically. World that, yeah. I, actually, navigating around this world, there's can, subterfuge can the at every camera? corner. No. Well, yes no. and no. So you okay. can tip if you if you tr- if you pull a left trigger, you can lock on to enemies, and pulling left trigger will tip the camera up. So you can sort of you've got a, a fairly standard isometric, and then you can also by locking on to nothing or locking on to a, an enemy, you can tip the camera up to be slightly more above you. But that's the extent of your camera's movement. So it's not free roaming at all. It's just manipulating. Not it free roaming at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it does help sometimes in getting a better sense of like, oh, actually, that definitely is a little secret hidden path, right. that thing. Uh, they're everywhere, literally everywhere. You you probably will always have one on the screen without knowing it. Wow, that's cool. And there are also situations where you can see things in the distance and you think you can't get there. And then you find a really long circuitous way to get there that is following the path that the game designer has set out for you to be the standard path but then when you get to the the end of the standard path what you'll realize is that there was a really obvious and easy well really (laughs) obvious and easy one minute route that would get you to the same place okay and they're everywhere they're just everywhere so it's it's unbelievable so i'm guessing that sense that what i'm getting from you is that that sense of achievement and secrets that you're stumbling over almost tripping over from the sounds of it that that is a little rush each time i guess yeah it's yeah it's rewarding. Like, oh, you, yeah. We've talked about we've talked about developers doing uh, stuff you stuff to the player in in certainly in sort of nineties platformers where there's like hidden dangers that you won't know about until you come right on top until of them. You suffered them. That is a really horrible way that a developer can be cheeky. This feels more collaborative. This feels like a reward. This feels like the developer saying you've done that well done here's a little cheeky thing that i did and now you're in on the secret too so it's sort of pulling you into to the secrets it's like a dialogue between you and the developer a little bit yeah it's it is constant it's full of rewards like that throughout the game on that note do you have any deets about the developer who they are yeah i mean yeah so i've yes i do ironically I'm, i'm taking a circuitous path through your notes yeah, because that was this. That was point two on my notes uh, about the developer. It's an interesting one and one that you might, you, you will almost certainly appreciate. Because the last thing that I think you think when you look at this game is solo developer. That, that's the reason I asked because again, I, I must have gleaned that in a review I read of, of the game that I thought it was someone by themselves. So it's a person called Andrew Scholdice. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I apologise, Andrew, if you do happen to listen to this. I doubt it, but if you are if that's not how you pronounce your name. But Andrew developed this game over the last seven years and did pretty much everything, had a hand certainly in everything. He was um, the designer, level designer, world designer. He was the programmer, programmed everything. Uh, He was the artist, did all the art and animations. 
as well. So even if he wasn't completely 100% doing absolutely every minuscule little thing himself, he was across that whole range of of disciplines, which is phenomenal. That's incredible. To be frank, we we talked some sort of story, I guess, to Axiom Verge. Yeah, and uh, Stardew Valley mm. uh, with Eric Brown. Yeah, we've that. This happens, I think, more than you'd realise. And unfortunately, a lot of the games that have this setup don't make it to the audience that they maybe deserve. This one very much has made it to the audience that it deserves. The if you look it up on Moby Games, the credits list is quite a lot more extensive. There was uh, okay. there was um yeah, so he he is credited as designer, writer, animator, programmer, etc. artist. There tea are lady. other people who are dis- yeah, he will almost certainly have been his own tea lady. There are other people across the spectrum of um, disciplines that were helping out at various different points. Music is a big one. I think that the music wasn't dealt with by Andrew, but somebody else, which I've forgotten to write down. Oh, here we go. Lifeformed and Janice Kwan. So Lifeformed and Janice Kwan are responsible for the music. The music is interesting and we will be uh, circling back to the music. In a moment. Sorry, yeah, still, I, I hope. I'm just looking at some pictures of the game. It looks really nice. I, I had in my head um, the tourist, and I've just compared a screenshot of the tourist to this, and I can see in my head how I've got that. It's the same blocky, polygonal feel to it, but um, but not. Oh, the tourist with a Y. Yes. yes. Y- yes and no. I don't think that's a terrible touch point, but I think that the tourist didn't reach the high heights of... Yeah, um, I got the demo of, for, for Switch this. and wasn't that impressed with it. But I tuning. played the game to completion and um, I think I enjoyed it. I think, it again, I mean, that's a game with monoliths uh, for, yeah, yeah, to, as well. Actually. So, uh, I mean, it's interesting how often they crop up as a as a mysterious thing in games. And maybe that's to to the detriment of, of the games. I don't know. The tourist for me felt slighter than I was expecting. And I interestingly had the same response to it that my friend had to tunic in that i was expecting big things had been built up a lot yeah and then went into it and felt distinctly underwhelmed even if i did enjoy the the time that i spent with it so yeah i mean that's an interesting touch point in and of itself just on that on that front but those images of tunic i've just looked at it looks very pretty yeah so the other one i i've we talked about it being like Zelda. It absolutely is like Zelda. The other touch points that I would throw in are Fez, as you've um, rightly pointed out, and also The Witness. The Witness is one of those games where it spends a good deal of time making you think that you've understood what is expected of you, and then throws this little curveball at you that makes you reevaluate the way you see the whole of its world. And I think that that happens to some extent in in this game as well tunic so you, you're playing through it and suddenly something happens that makes you reevaluate it or re- re-understand it in the witness there is one major thing that is largely left to the player to to realize that will then make you look at its whole world differently in tunic i think that those things are meted out slightly more so there's not one large thing but there are multiple very multiple smaller morsels that make you go what how i how did i not how did i not just know that interesting we're gonna come we i mean we might no we won't talk about that now because the other part of the puzzle here we've said the witness we said fez we said zelda the other part of the puzzle and this might be off-putting for some people 
is uh, the Soulsborne genre. Because there is combat in this game, and the combat is at times tough. Right. Like, it, it, there is an element of, um, dodge and, dodge and roll and swipe and run away and, and keep your distance. Not even hope for the best. Like, pinpoint precision in the combat will reward you if you can pull it off. Watching the enemies and their, attack patterns will help you and reward you if you have the patience but on the other side of that coin if you don't if you try and batter yourself batter your way through it then you will get your ass handed to you and that's how Which i generally sounds... play these sort of games is just go bash 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 and hope for the best and therefore that might have been something to put you off yeah well no but now but... now i know there's elements of strategy it's just working out those strategies isn't it well it also doesn't matter because one of the things that has been incorporated into the game is a, a reasonable set of accessibility options. And one of the accessibility options that you have is to, to reduce the combat difficulty. Okay. So you can have it on normal or you can have it on reduced. Another is no fail mode. So if you are having trouble with a specific enemy, then you can turn on no fail mode and just bash, bash, bash your way through it. So they, they don't act as the kind of barriers that you might think they do. That level of accessibility means that people can can change. People can adapt the game to how they want to play it. And I've also, I guess reduced... those do those concessions kind of on the fly. If there's an enemy you're really struggling with or a boss, then turn it on for that boss and turn it back off again. Because I, yeah. I'm surprised. Well, not surprised. I knew the game had some fighting in, but I thought it obviously it's a Zelda game. But I thought it was more exploratory. I didn't realize it as with it being a Zelda game. I thought it would be more. Like the combat be more accessible. So I like the fact they've yeah. done this sort of thing. That's really savvy. Yeah, maybe I haven't explained it as well as I could. The combat on the in the world, like the exploratory areas, the areas that you're supposed to move around and find the secrets in, that combat is... It still has a degree of, of tactics to it with each of the enemies having their own different attack patterns and you being able to remember them and go in at the right times and, and take advantage of their downtime and things. Um, that is all still there, but it's really when you get into the boss fights that that becomes absolutely vital, absolutely imperative. Right. So yeah, what you've, what you've proposed, the idea of being able to turn on no fail mode for a particular part and then turn it off again when you're comfortable with where you've got to is, is absolutely a, a potential strategy that people can adopt. Equally, if you're interested largely in the, the exploration and the story, Precisely. there's no harm, no foul, turning on no fail mode at the beginning and leaving it on until the end. No one's going to be punished for that. There are other accessibility options. It's it's not like um, you'd find in the latest AAA uh, fair where it's 70 million options, all of which have a place and should be there. But people should understand, hopefully do understand, that with a, a smaller budget comes a, lim a more limited um, potential for including accessibility options. However, I'm sure... However, the ones that are there are, are going to be helpful to a number of people. It's nice to see gameplay accessibility hmm. as well. So I've, I think I've um, done a, a reasonable job of explaining a few bits that I wanted to, um, to explain. I don't really think, though, comparing it to other games does it the justice that it deserves, as far as I'm concerned. Because the thing that really struck me, the thing that really has hit, the thing that I've really hit it off with is 
yes, all of that stuff, all of the ways that it's incorporated other games and the ideas of, of those other games into its world. But secrets. This game is just layered with them. I've already talked about the, the various different ways that you can navigate the world and these hidden paths. They're they're fantastic. Every time you find one, it's like a little reward, oh, like, you, like you suggested. There are puzzles that are hidden in plain sight as well. And uh, they're the sort of things that you might walk past 10 times. And then because you in the rest of your journey have found out this tiny little piece of information you go past it on the 11th you go past something on your 11th time and you go hang on i'm looking at this differently now i'm going to i'm going to do this and oftentimes you'll find that there's a reward and is that the classic like with zelda is it because you've got a new item or is it just because the game has made you pass and understand what to do and how to do that thing okay that's that's more original as well yes the thing that i really like about it as well is you could probably like none of the things that are there are so impenetrable that you couldn't have worked them out for yourself if you'd fancied having a go if you had the kind of curious mind and pattern recognition that would allow you to see that and to go huh i wonder what happens if i do this Mm -hmm. then it won't hold you back like it's not hidden behind items it's not locked off from you everything is accessible from the beginning of the game if you find one of those secret hidden paths just by stumbling upon it it's not gated off you can get through it you might end up at the end of somewhere that you weren't meant to by following the traditional path be able to get to until you'd followed that path so obvious re- reference point there again is all the breath of the wild isn't it yeah the fact you've got this world you can do what you want whatever world you want off you go yeah absolutely absolutely that the same is it's the same with the puzzles there is a distinct um flavor there is a distinct flavor of puzzle in this game that is everywhere and you will not necessarily see them until you have the information that keys you into them. And right. then you start to notice them. And that's quite nice that that's then, you're not being told this, you've got to kind of figure it out for yourself. And then, oh, okay, all those things I've walked past, okay, I can go back and understand what to do with those now. Yeah. The same goes for player actions, which I found really interesting. Because there are things that you can do that you can do for hours of the game that you don't realize you can do you can do them from the start of the game and you can do them without picking anything up but you don't know you can do them and therefore you don't necessarily do them i don't understand what you mean ah well i'm trying to be (laughs) vague vague because i don't want to spoil that aspect of the game so i think i've said what i can say okay And perhaps this is a case of when you have gone away and played the game and come back to it, you will go, that's what he was talking about. The other thing that I haven't discussed uh, that I really like is is the way the game is set up to sort of keep you feeling the alienness of your presence in this world. And it's something that I have, I couldn't find the interview, but Andrew Scholdice has talked on this about the idea that the player should feel like a visitor in the world and that they... That the, the world wasn't designed for the player. You know, like there are sometimes those fourth wall breaking moments where the player is told how to hold their shield up. Oh, by pressing square. Yeah. Yeah. Those things, I mean, th- there's definitely a good deal of quite overt 
fourth wall breaking in the game, one of the things that you do during the game is pick up the pages of the game's manual and piece the manual together from page one to page 60 odd or whatever. That the, the collectibles in the game are the pages from the manual. I'm not sure I feel about that. Oh, well, I'm going to go into a few more details on that in a moment. But um, that there is definitely that level of fourth wall, break, fourth wall breaking. But at the same time, there is fourth wall building. Like there is a definite desire f- from the game to keep you at a distance. And one of the ways that it does that is having its own language. For the most part, the only part of the game that's in English, the main menu, once you get into the game, there is like a, a peppering, a smattering of English or, or whatever language you're playing in. There is a, a peppering of it, but most of the text you will see is written in this language that is made for the game. I so think we- they call it tr- Trunic. Again, making you feel like you said that you're a visitor, that this, this world you're exploring existed before you the fox turned up it's going to exist after the fox has done his or her quest and left it's it's just there for it, it's not like a, a playground for you to explore it it's a world yeah yeah hmm. that you are passing through and it's not there it's not designed around you and the things and your exploits and your adventure the world is there despite you so this language though is decipherable if you take the time and the effort and you know the uh, cipher you can you can read that language, you can learn that language, and you can read it, which uh, I think I'm, is pretty cool. I'm assuming people have, have done that then, they've transcribed and translated and... Almost certainly, yeah. I haven't looked at it because, so, I don't, the, I'm not usually one for worrying about spoilers, which I know is ironic. Well, isn't ironic in the sense that I'm talking, I'm doing a lot of spoiling here, but is ironic in the sense that uh, I'm spoiling a game that, for myself, I'm trying very hard not to spoil for myself by looking at what other people have said. Mm, yeah. I'm hoping that the spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode, I did do one, didn't I? I think so. If, yeah. if so, it's, I'm hoping it, that that if, holds if not, true for people that want it. No, yeah. Uh, there is a decipherable language in the game. You can read it if you want to take the time yeah. and the effort. You don't necessarily need to do that. Um, But... If you want to know what an item does, there are two ways to do that. You can either decipher the the whole language and figure out what the description of the item says, or you can just use the damn item and find it out through trial and error. Yeah, which I like it. I like that because it's given you, you get this manual and it has got items in there and it tells you what these items do, but it's in this language that you can't understand. So you're given this choice of, do you ignore the manual and just go... Uh, sort of helpful leather willy-nilly do if learn through doing and that's exactly what i would have done in games in the 90s which this game is harking back to i think you kind of you you surely have to then like just use the item to figure out what it does because it's who's who's got the time to sit exactly it, it is absolutely designed that way i don't know that anyone's expecting the common player to go out and translate the language. But I, I quite like but that. There's an interesting tension between I, the player and the game. Yeah, because what I would do is I would just, as I do with with all games I play, really with item bases, I just stockpile items and then use them as and when I, I need, depending on the situation I'm in. Whereas this is going to force me to use the item to understand what it does and then have to try and remember that because I can't look at the menu to figure it out and remind myself the next time. I've just got to try and remember that. But that's yep, an absolutely. interesting gameplay mechanic. Yes, it is. The other thing that I think is even better than there being a language is that the language is incorporated into the music. Okay. So 
and I don't mean that they because the language, the music is non-vocal; it's all instrumental. They had to take the language and the way that the individual characters of the language are formed and find a way to transpose that into music. There is a fantastic... I didn't know this until this happened, but there is a thread on Twitter uh, that is by Kevin Regamey, who is the creative director of Power Up Audio, who worked on the game's audio, that details all of the efforts that they had to go to in order to create this cipher to allow them to speak in music. They then use it all over the place. There are these tiny little... Motifs. Motifs that will crop up in certain places. The one that I can tell you that is fine... I've not got the thread in front of me, so I might get this a little bit wrong. But when you press start on the main menu, there is a little motif that plays. And the motif says something like begin. So when you press start... The music says, literally says, begin. Right. And then throughout the game, the music is literally talking to you. It might give you a hint as to what you're supposed to do at a certain point, or it might suggest to you going in a certain direction or something like that. It's to be read, to be believed. Yeah, that the, sounds incredible. The depth of it. And actually, it's so intrinsic to the design of the game that certainly Kevin Regamey says that Tunic obviously refers to the tunic that the player's character is wearing, but that Tunic was also supposed to refer to the the music of the game. The tune. The tune, yeah. Lovely stuff. It, do you mean to the extent like the music reacts to what you're doing? So if you're going the wrong way, like it might change a different key? No, 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 no. They, right, I'll try and explain this. So... It's really well laid out in this thr- thread, but I don't think you should read the thread no, because there are other so things either. that spoil for the game in amongst the amazingly interesting musical stuff. But what they took... So there's these runes that are in the game that make up the language, the written language. So the runes are syllabic. So a, a rune will represent a sound that is made up of a consonant and a vowel. And depending on how the rune is created, depending on where the lines are on the top of the rune or the bottom of the rune, will tell you what the consonant is and the vowel is of that of that syllable. So using that, you can then decipher words. They took that idea of there being these syllabic runes. They mapped it onto the stave of, mu- of music, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, in such a way that they could then play chords, that you play a chord and that corresponds to a particular syllable mm-hmm. or phoneme. Well, not phoneme, because they're syllabic, yeah. so... You know, you play, I you play a chord, and that that says b b b e b, and then you play the next chord, and that chord says g g i, and then you play the next chord, and that one corresponds to n begin. Right. So it's a it's a it's a series of three tones, three notes, three chords that are heard in the game that represent the word begin. That's very clever. Yes. And I I mean, it's even cleverer than I've explained it. If you read that thread, (laughs) you will see how amazingly clever it is and how it crops up absolutely everywhere. There there are places where it's referring to enemies and places where it's referring to hidden treasures. Like it might say chest or something like that when you're going past a place that has a hidden chest in it or when you open the chest it might say treasure or prize or something like that you know like you have the traditional zelda swell of music well 
Tunic will have it, its own version of that, but the swell represents an actual dialogue. Word or message. actual real dialogue, yeah. Yeah. On top of that, if you download, and this is ridiculous, if you download the music and you load it up into Audacity or some other music, probably not Audacity, Audacity probably wouldn't work for this, but basically you want to be able to see the, I think it's the spectrogram, which is a different way of visualizing music. Yeah. Certain pieces of music will actually have runes oh my that are visible on the spectrogram and one in particular has the character outlined in the spectrogram that's how sort of deep and strange it gets that's mad like that's, yeah. that's so thorough like that's incredible absolutely incredible yeah yeah and it's that that i've fallen in love with not the super dense super deep stuff of the music the music is absolutely glorious like it's pitch perfect all the way through so relaxing so chilled out i don't know if you've played witchwood i think you had no you talked about which i think about you how made... lovely the music was in that and we, li- we listened to some yeah so witchwood has got fabulous music and this is this is up there with it it's just so beautifully orchestrated throughout the whole game and i could listen to the to it on repeat to in the bath to relax you know it's it's so so good but then you've got this extra layer of secrecy and mystery about it as well and so so it's it's always layers of what what have grabbed you then the fact that the game is good and then you've got this sort of on top of it but in terms of the, the music but then also the depth of that music on top of it it's all those things together sorry i got i got sidetracked because i what i was saying was it's all of this stuff that I have fallen in love with yeah. so heavily, but not the music per se. The music is glorious. However, it's the secrecy. It's yeah, the levels completely. of the secrets. And it's the, it's the fact that they are on, it's, they're there. They're right there from the very beginning. Every screen you pass through, there is not just one, probably several secrets that you're just not privy to yet. And as you go through the game, you will become an insider. You will become one of the privileged secret holders, secret keepers of the game. I love it for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's all that law and the message and what have you. That's all given to you so gradually. That yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds. It sounds so clever. Yeah. Now I I will finish. I wanted to finish there, but I I heard you poo poo the manual thing, um, <laughs> and I haven't come back. No, I'm I'm serious. So you you're not a fan of the idea of like the manual being the collecting the the thing you collect through the game. I think it's I can understand why they've done it. It just feels a bit clever, clever to me. I I don't I don't like it personally when games acknowledge they're a game. Like oh, oh all I, games I, acknowledge I, their games. I, I say I say, I say that I obviously love the Stanley Parable. I I, I, I yeah, just exactly. I just find it a bit a bit clunky. This game, I think I wouldn't be wrong to say is a love letter to nineties action adventure games. The idea of the manual being your constant companion through those adventures. Like your your adventurous almanac. The manual here is presented in such a way as it's it's a fa- it's a lost artifact of an of another player who has been there and seen it all before you. Okay, so that now that now sounds a lot better straight away because it's it's it, like we said about this idea of the world has it's it was there before it was there after you've gone. Yeah. Now we've got the 
an explorer who's been there previously they've left their notes behind for you to to uncover that now sounds a lot more interesting yeah it absolutely is interesting and the manual will have its manual stuff it'll have its little this is the controller page and it'll have its this is a map of one of the dungeons pages but then peppered in amongst those things and sometimes very very obviously and other times not at all obvious will be um, markings in BIC in Byro. <laughs> wow. There's a puzzle that I, on the last time I was playing, a couple of days ago, there's a puzzle that I uncovered that then made me think, well, there were these markings in the manual. That kind of reminds me of those markings. So I went to look at that page, look, looked and realized that there was a picture of a place in the game. So I went to that place in the game. I did what I figured I'd need to do in relation to these markings in the manual in the place in the game and that unlocked me a lovely little secret nice and i got that page 10 hours ago yeah that sounds i got the page 10 hours ago that sounds a lot better than i first thought yeah then at the end you know like uh manuals used to have the notes pages yep so there are notes pages you actually you collect the whole manual and you collect the notes pages and some of the notes pages have got some of the more obscure secrets that have been doodled down to and it's the player trying to the player that came before you trying to figure out what was going on with a secret which then allows you to, to figure, figure out what was going on yeah. with a secret alongside them so it's almost like this palimpsest of of player upon player dialoguing with each other across time if that makes sense yeah that 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 does sound a, a lot better that, that sounds very clever yeah it's very clever it's it's also very romantic this idea of the history of play and that linking history and, and of the, games and then presumably yeah. there's going to be someone play the game after you have played the game as well yeah exactly yeah i really like the idea it never happened for me and i didn't none of my games did have manuals but i like the idea of thinking of of tunic as a second-hand game that someone's and that someone's owned and loved and passed along for the next person and that their manual's gone with them and that you can add to you, to that manual your realisations, your revelations and that it becomes this building up of knowledge from player to player. I think it's a lovely romantic notion that games might well have had the potential to achieve in that very specific way but also do achieve in other ways now through the internet. The You know like game FAQ, FAQs in the mid, well the early, early in the late 90s and the early noughties game faqs being this repository of amazing secrets that you yeah. can go to and find out about your favorite game and then use in your favorite game and it was all it was all crowdsourced all from other players all trying to work communally to to achieve something the same goes for fez fez is or, or games like it games where that require a communal effort to succeed even if it's a, uh, you know, notionally, it's a single player game. Working as a community will reward you. I think that's the idea. I think that's the romantic idea behind the Tunic manual. I think it's glorious. Well, that sounds really, really good. I'm genuinely very, very not impressed. That's the wrong word. Like it, it sounds great. The whole thing sounds great. Salivating over it. Champion. Are bit. you? Champion. I hope so. Bit. Uh, what's the so. how long to beat roughly do you say oh i haven't checked but i would imagine about 15 hours decent amount of time yeah i can see i can see you doing the pounds to hour <laughs> no, no 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 not at all no i was thinking like what i was thinking that's why i sort of pulled that face i was thinking kind of you know 15 hours that seems like a decent like amount of time like if it was this sort of length if it was longer would that be too much if it was less would that be not like enough time within this world 15 hours seems like a decent i would 
say, amount of time. Yeah, this is assuming that you don't go out of your way to find the solutions to puzzles. And that's the thing is that I would I would probably spend so much time just exploring and just trying mm. to uncover stuff and working stuff out. And then, like you said, backtracking to go back to this place. And how, how big yeah, is the, the map on that sort of note? All about this big. Yeah, very good. I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to quantify it uh, i wouldn't know what to compare it to to make it make sense i mean there's dungeons underground and up mountains and it's just very difficult to quantify okay but fair enough. i mean you you should be able to expect an adventure the same size uh as a good zelda game as a link to the past bosh it's certainly a, a longer affair than um link's awakening okay i think but the big caveat here is assuming that you let the secrets stay secret unless you basically don't go don't go first port of call game looking for an answer actually absorb in the game go at leave the game for an hour or a day and mull over the things in the back of your mind while you're doing other things i think that would be the best way to play it brilliant well, uh, there we go. Tunic wrapped up. Uh, it, so- it sounds great. It sounds really, really great. Still going to pay 25 quid for it, though. How's about that? That's fine. That's fine. I have it on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. It is brilliant, though, and I'd like to have it, because as I say, I don't have Xbox Game Pass all of the time, and I can well imagine that I will at some point have a copy of Tunic on some other platform, because it really is that good. I... I want to be able to play it in 10 years' time. Well, there you go. High praise indeed. Well, thank you very much for bringing that. Next week will be one of my games. I'm going to go for an old one, not a new one. It'll be an old one next week, as is uh, as is normal. In the meantime, if you would like to come join us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you could like, share, subscribe, rate, and review, please, we'd be very, very, very grateful. Yes, please. Thank you for joining us if you do play tunic or if you have played tunic and you want to come and let us know what you thought to it and and maybe sort of weigh in on whether chris should pay 25 pounds for it either way then please do and we'll see you next week okay thank you very much bye bye